You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news, rumors, and updates on The Bad Batch, The Book of Boba Fett, The Mandalorian, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. Uh, Today, with The Bad Batch right around the corner, we're going to be ranking our uh, top 10 moments in Star Wars animation, so this should be a fun one after much excruciating deliberation. Uh, And as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Tim. How's it going, Tim? What's up, Kyle? Doing good, especially, as you said, we're just on the cusp of a brand new Star Wars animated series, and I just cannot wait to watch it. And at the same time, too, when you told us about the topic for this episode and how it's going to be focused on our favorite animated moments, I got me excited to not only look forward to talking about it, but then to start thinking about what choices are going to be making my list. And to be honest, it was easier than ranking the saga was. I don't think anything's going to be as tough as it was for me to rank all the movies, but this was definitely a fun one to kind of go through all the great animated moments, and there are a ton of them. So it was yeah. a little bit tough to narrow it down, but um, still looking forward to what should be a fun conversation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we originally were going to do top five, just because when we do ranking episodes, we usually do like top fives you know we've done top five clone wars episodes and video games and all that kind of stuff um but yeah as i got into these i figured if we did top five our top five would probably be fairly similar and also there were so many great moments that i wanted to pick from and i figured you know if we if we made a longer list like our our six through ten might be a little bit more uh differentiated um and also there were just so many moments i wanted to talk about and paul obviously wasn't able to make it uh onto this one with us tonight um He'll be back with us next time, I'm sure, because our next episode should be us talking about the first episodes of The Bad Batch. Um, But we're recording this here, just me and Tim, uh, the week before May the 4th, uh, but we're planning on releasing it on Star Wars Day. That was the other thing. I mean, you know, there wasn't really any big news or anything to talk about, but I wanted to do like a fun kind of episode that we could put out on uh, Star Wars Day. So uh, to all you listening on Star Wars Day, may the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day. Glad you're here with us. And... um, yeah, hopefully we'll have a, a fun discussion and uh, have a good time talking about these lists. But before we get into that, just one brief bit of news that I wanted to mention because it does pertain to the animated stuff. Um, you know, Matt Lanter, I think, is out doing press for his new show, uh, Jupiter's Legacy, that's also airing on Netflix like next week or the week after. Um, but there was an interesting little tidbit in one of these interviews where he basically confirmed that he's going to be doing more stuff as Anakin during the Clone Wars era. 
Um, and he didn't specify what project. He basically just said that like Lucasfilm has a lot of stuff going on and I can't talk about it and, you know, can't give you any details or confirm anything, but I'm not done with Anakin essentially is, is what he said. And so, um, it's really interesting. Like, you know, I, I wonder if they're kind of not happy that he, um, even talked that much about it. Um, but I don't think, you know, that's not really like confirmation that there's going to be more episodes of Clone Wars because that could be a lot of different things. I mean, we could see, I, I doubt it, but we could see flashbacks to like, you know, maybe the clones working with Anakin and Ahsoka during the Clone Wars in the Bad Batch. Um, they could have some new animated project in the works. And I doubt that it's going to be like, I, I highly doubt we're going to get another series set during the Clone Wars era. Um, I also doubt that we're going to get more Clone Wars episodes just because, I mean, that would be weird from a marketing standpoint because they, they so heavily branded like that season seven as the final season. So if they were going to go back and do like the Utapau episodes and like the Son of Dathomir arc and stuff like that, I mean, I would love to get those stories finished, but um, then what are they going to call it? Like the final, final season or <laughs> season 6.5 or, you know, I don't know. That would be kind of weird. The final um, season for real this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or like, you know, the Clone Wars before the final season. Yeah. <laughs> um, but those obviously are some stories that, uh, we could see Anakin make an appearance again. Um, but also, I mean, I, I have to wonder, like my two main suspicions are, I'm wondering if a like with the Star Wars Visions thing that's coming out. I think that's supposed to be coming out later this year, right? Yeah. Um, or at least that's one of the things that's Pretty supposed sure, to yeah. be sort of sooner on the uh, the schedule. Um, and obviously, those are like the anime style, you know, kind of like anthology of of different Star Wars stories and stuff. And so maybe if Anakin's featured in any of those, maybe La Matt Lander will still do the voice. Um, or I wonder if we might get some kind of series maybe set before episode two and see something more with um, like with Anakin and Obi-Wan training together and, you know, Obi-Wan training Anakin as a Jedi Knight in his Padawan years, or maybe a story like, again, maybe like a, a mini Clone Wars arc or even like a TV movie type of thing in the very early days of the Clone Wars. And maybe we actually will get a canon story of Anakin becoming a Jedi Knight for the first time. Like we, talked about on our uh, our Clone Wars micro series commentary. So I think there's a lot of different possibilities there. And of course, it could also be like a, a video game or an audio book or something like that. But I think he did specifically mention Lucasfilm Animation in that interview. Yeah, um, he did. So I wouldn't necessarily get your hopes up that that's confirming that there's going to be more Clone Wars episodes or that they're going to go back and finish more of the unfinished stuff. Um but it seems like maybe that's more of a possibility than we thought. And uh, at least in some capacity, it seems like we'll be seeing um, Matt Lanter's version of Anakin again. So I'm excited. I mean, I'm I'm down for more of that, whatever form it may take. Yeah, same here. It's just cool to kind of hear him confirm that he is involved with some more future Star Wars animated projects. And like you said, he did specifically say like Lucasfilm animation. So it kind of made me think where you know, it's not going to be a a video game project that he's doing or involved in. I mean, it could be, but in this case, what he was referring to as being something that is being done through Lucasfilm animation, which is cool. And like you said, there's so many different possibilities that can go kind of like you were saying, I don't think it's going to be Clone Wars related, but if it's not, then it just makes you think of what exactly could it be? And one of the other things I was thinking of, was what if he's actually might be, I know he's said Anakin here, but what if it's kind of Darth Vader, he'll be playing here where, 
little similar to the end of where we heard his voice in Vader behind Vader's helmet in Twilight of the Apprentice. And maybe we'll get, whether it's in the Bad Batch, some future TV show, or one of the shorts in Star Wars Visions, like you were saying, um, just a moment with Vader maybe meditating without his without his helmet on, and maybe in his chamber. I mean, there is some art artwork where we see Vader kind of without his helmet. This kind of there's this one I I'm blanking on the artist. I'm sorry, but it's a really great image where he's in his chamber where he has his helmet off, and you can clearly see it's Anakin, and he just has his hand over his head just in regret. And you see like I think of an image of Padme over it. It was just mm. a really great striking striking image of Anakin reflecting on the past. And maybe it's something like that where he's actually Vader, but yet we're hearing maybe his inner monologue as Anakin or something like that. But I'm not putting it past the possibility where he actually may be playing Vader in a future project and maybe they'll use some voice effect to make it sound more like Vader. Maybe they could get James Old Jones to do it. But I don't know. I think that's still a possibility too. But um, regardless of all the speculation, the different ideas both you and me are saying about what this future project could be, I just think it's great. We got more Anakin on the way. And how cool is it to know that we're going to be getting more of Anakin in both live action with Hayden Christensen and Matt Lanter voiced him in animation. I mean, it's just, it almost sounds too good to be true <laughs> knowing that we're getting this type of Star Wars content with Anakin in the future. So it's just great all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll always take more Anakin content, especially anything that continues to further like sort of bridge the gap between Anakin and Vader. And I love those kind of stories where like it's centered on Vader and you still see those shades of Anakin still inside him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was, again, an, an unexpected bit of news to get. I'm sure he's uh, probably endangered his position on Dave Filoni's trust tree. Um, <laughs> Dave, Dave's on his way out to trim the hedges right now. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm excited for whatever they've got cooking up. So, um, and then, of course, the, the Bad Batch is coming next week, too. Well, of course, if you guys are listening to this on Star Wars Day, you'll probably be listening to this after you've just finished watching the first episodes of the Bad Batch, or the first one episode, and then the next one comes out Friday. So um, definitely looking forward to that as well, and can't wait to be back with you guys and uh, talk about that and share our reactions and all that good stuff. Um, so without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, dive into our list of our top 10 animated Star Wars moments, shall we? Oh, yes. To quote Maul, what fun. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's how we're going to do this. First of all, I'm making an executive decision. I'm going first this time because the last <laughs> time we did video games, I let Tim go first and he kept picking the same ones as me. So he always got That's to talk right. about it before I yeah. did. So, so I'm, I'm taking point this time. Um, and of course, we got 10 spots on our list. But because there's so many moments that we wanted to talk about. And because we do this with all of our top whatever lists, we've got some honorable mentions, too, that we'll just kind of mention briefly, and then we'll take turns going through our list, 10 through 1. Um, and, I mean, we didn't really specify, like, what counts as a moment in Star Wars animation, but obviously these are not necessarily, like, our top favorite episodes um, or story arcs or anything like that, but it can be, you know, character moments, uh conversations obviously lightsaber duels battle scenes any of that kind of stuff um just something that's a, a great moment that stands out in the uh the animated star wars stories so um without further ado i'll just jump in with my my three honorable mentions here uh first of all and i tried to pick kind of you know not just um 
more like specific show moments, but kind of some some broader like outside moments for my honorable mentions. Um, and I will say right now, my top ten list is all uh, Clone Wars and Rebels stuff. Um, yeah, we're not gonna different be too different on that front. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, look, you know, no disrespect to Star Wars Resistance or uh, the e the Ewoks and Droids cartoons or anything like that. But um, obviously, I just I think Clone Wars and Rebels is uh, you know top of the top of the pile there but um i did want to give an honorable mention to the anakin and Ventress duel on yavin 4 from the clone wars micro series um because that's probably my favorite moment from that series and uh you know we just had a lot of fun rewatching that lately and uh yeah even though it didn't even though nothing from it cracked my top 10 i do still love the micro series and think it has a lot of great moments um so i wanted to put one of those moments on here as an honorable mention um, I also wanted to uh, put the Rebels epilogue as one of my honorable mentions. This one actually barely missed having a spot on my top ten list. Um, but of all the of all the moments that got bumped off the list and and didn't quite make it, I wanted to specifically highlight this one as an honorable mention, um, just because like obviously I love the story content and what we actually get to see as far as. Um, sort of the resolution to the story and where all the characters are at after the Battle of Endor. And then, of course, we get the exciting tease of Sabine and Ahsoka going off together to find Ezra and that setting up a potential new story that we're probably going to get to see in the live-action Ahsoka series. But it also was just really great as a Star Wars fan. You know, obviously all of us kind of suffered the the shared trauma of Clone Wars getting canceled and falling in love with that show and then never really getting a proper conclusion to it until last year when we finally did, and that was awesome. Um, but that was after Rebels ended. So, you know, Clone Wars, we had Clone Wars and it got canceled, and then we got Rebels, and uh, it was just nice to have Rebels get to wrap up with a proper conclusion and get a happy ending to the story and a, just a satisfying, um, you know, conclusion to everything and, uh, get to really, you know, tie it up with a nice bow. So, um, that was a great moment, you know, again, for the story itself, but also just as a star Wars fan, um, getting to, you know, fall in love with these characters and, and get to go on this journey and, and get this really cool animated series and then just get a really nice, satisfying conclusion to it was awesome. Um, and then my, actually my last moment, and this is not actually a, a moment from within, um, a story or anything, but I wanted to put, at least put in my honorable mentions, and I even considered putting this on my list too, but just the day that we learned that we were getting more Clone Wars, um, when they had that panel at San Diego Comic-Con, you know, the 10 year anniversary yeah. Clone Wars panel and showed that, that trailer at the end, yep. um, and is it, you know, a war left unfinished until now. And I'll never forget that day. I was at work. And I was on my lunch break and I had tried to time my lunch break so that I could like watch that whole panel. Actually, I, I wasn't even watching it because I don't think they live streamed it. But no, I was, they didn't, yeah. I was following along with people that were like live tweeting. And I remember just sitting in the lunchroom at work on my phone, you know, glued to my phone, seeing all the updates that people were posting. And, you know, they're just going through old clips and concept art and talking about the making of the show. And then like right as I had to go back to work, they were, you know, it was like oh, it seems like there's not going to be anything new and the panel's about to be over and, like, they're going to show a video real quick and then that's going to be it. And then suddenly people are tweeting, Clone Wars is back! We're getting more Clone Wars! And I was, like, freaking out. I had to, like, run back into work, clock in from lunch break, and then immediately, like, clock out for a bathroom break. And I ran and got my phone again was, like, watched the new trailer. And, um, man, that was just such an exciting time 
um, again, going through the the joy of experiencing the Clone Wars and then the heartbreak of it ending and not getting uh, the proper conclusion that we wanted and then finding out that it was coming back and that we were finally going to get to see the Siege of Mandalore and the Bad Batch and uh, all the stuff that we had been looking forward to for so long. Um, so just that that day and that trailer and that excitement of Clone Wars coming back uh, is my final honorable mention. Yeah, that's a great pick right there. I mean, that was an awesome day, like you said, and just an awesome moment. I remember, too, where it was like, I forget where exactly, but there was this long gap between tweets from people. Like, someone would say, like, it's back, Clone Wars is back, and then nothing. Like, there was, like, five or ten minutes before we actually learned the details of, like, what, is it really back? Like, what's yeah. going on? What was shown? It was just crazy. Yeah, so those those are some great choices in there. For my honorable mentions, it's mainly just ones that would be like my top would be 11, 12, and 13 are in my top 15. But these ones might actually might be in even in your top 10, Kyle. I'm not sure because, again, there's so many great moments. <laughs> you got to make some cuts somewhere. But in no particular order, really, even though these would probably round out my top 15 if we were doing a top 13. But um, first one I'll mention is Kanan being knighted in the episode Shroud of Darkness. That was... A great moment. That whole episode is great of Rebels. Just how both Kane and Ezra and Ahsoka were both having their visions in the temple on Lothal. Uh, with Ezra having this conversation with Yoda. Ahsoka meditating and hearing the voice of Anakin. And again, leaving her to believe more that he has become Darth Vader, but she hasn't quite accepted it yet. But Kanan was actually my favorite. Just a great arc that he had, of course, from the beginning of the series till his death in season four. But this was probably his biggest moment for me. And it was just so cool how they did it where it was through a vision and he was having a duel with a Jedi temple guard who obviously he later realized was the grand inquisitor. And I just love the setting of it too, how it was in this like Japanese style dojo, like this old Jedi temple training ground. It just looked really cool. And just how he finally came to that acceptance of he can't always continue to fight or protect Ezra where he would just, he would eventually have to stand down and let Ezra go. And that's when he did that, that's where um, in the vision, the grand inquisitor or him as a temple guard didn't fight, but he got his lightsaber and knighted Kanan as a Jedi Knight. And I just love Kanan's expression when he realizes he even said like, what does this mean? And he just tells him you're now a Jedi Knight. And just what a great moment that was for Kanan as a character knowing what he'd been through and after order 66 and hiding himself away, um, not revealing he's that he's a Jedi and then to fully become a Jedi Knight for what, um, he has done with his training with Ezra and what, um, the future held and what he would know he would have to do. So just a great moment for the character, I think done in a really cool way. And then another one I will put is, uh, this one, it was hard to take off my top 10, but it was a great action moment, but it was Maul versus pre Vizsla in uh, the Mandalore arc uh, from season five of the Clone Wars. Just talk about an awesome fight between a Jedi, and a, or not a Jedi, but a Force user and a Mandalorian, pulling out all their tricks with the lightsaber with Maul and not using the Force, which was cool too, but uh, Vizsla using all the tricks the Mandalorian armor has and what, he has, what he's capable of as a warrior. It was just a great, awesome fight. And I remember when it first aired, it was... So cool to see because we've never seen like a force user take on a Mandalorian before. I remember I tweeted that out and Paul got mad at me because he hadn't seen the episode yet. <laughs> 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 uh, but that was such a great fight. It's 
I remember Dave Filoni kept talking how the crew wanted to outdo each other in that arc with the fights that were working on Maul and Vizsla, then Maul, Savage versus Sidious. And for a while, I always thought the Sidious, Maul, and Savage fight was the superior one. Um, but recently, I think I came around to where I think I like the Maul versus Vizsla fight a little better. Um, there's just something about it, the way it's choreographed. And just like I said, the, every, both of them going all out to prove who should be the ruler of Mandalore. It was just great. So that one is an honorable mention, even though it was really close to making my top 10. And then my final honorable men mention is another big moment um, in the series of Star Wars Rebels. And the reason why I felt I got to have it, at least as an honorable mention, was the moment of wa actually watching it. And that is the end of the season two premiere, the Siege of Lothal, and in particular when Vader says, the apprentice lives. That moment, and just being in a room at Star Wars Celebration, watching it for the first time, sitting right next to you and Paul, and just being, having our minds blown. I mean, it was already blown seeing the whole episode of what Vader did in that series. But then just getting that moment where Vader realizes Ahsoka is alive, it was just such an awesome moment to experience obviously as fans watch watch clone wars from the beginning and then just knowing vader was going to be in the series knowing he would eventually have to confront ahsoka and that just set the stage for what would be a really great season um that got off to an awesome start with that moment and then ended with the bang with the season two finale but that moment right there was just such a great one and then just being able to watch it with you and then a bunch of other Star Wars fans just losing their minds. This is something I'll never forget from that celebration. So, yeah, those are my three honorable men. Uh, I could talk <laughs> my honorable mentions, but uh, it was hard to even have them as honorable mentions because they could easily make a top ten list. I'm sure they could be for other fans, but easily make their top ten because they're really great moments. So, but yeah, so I guess we can get going into our main list, which mm -hmm. should be really, really interesting. Yeah, I have a feeling they're not going to be as similar, maybe as you think. Yeah, well, like I said, I feel like we're going to have a few similar ones, at least at the top. But yeah, I, I know our lists are going to be pretty diverse. Um, those were some good honorable mentions that you picked. And I will say, you said, you know, I might have some of those on my list. I only have one of those on my list. Okay. And I'm sure for you, it's probably easy to guess which one it is, but yeah, you'll see when we get there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, I didn't even pick any of the stuff, like the Vader stuff from the premiere of Rebels, just cause A, there's like too many Vader moments to pick from. Like there's yeah. him, you know, him fighting Kanan and Ezra, like, uh, the the apprentice lives moment even the the moment from the the season two finale uh or the season one finale where he just comes down the ramp for the first time and just knowing that we were going to see more of vader um but also i will say with my list there are some that i left off that like i thought about giving honorable mentions or that were like competing for for a spot lower on the list that i decided to leave off just because i knew they're probably going to be on tim's list and i'll like <laughs> at least like i'll put something else there and at least somebody will get to talk about it um so yeah, let's just jump right in at number 10. Uh, and the one I picked for that is uh, the moment in season six of The Clone Wars where Yoda travels to Dagobah and we see him exploring Dagobah for the first time, hearing the voice of Qui-Gon Jinn and learning about the living force and the cosmic force and the ability to manifest yourself after death. Um, and then it, it all culminating with Yoda having his own vision in the, the, the tree or the cave. 
Um, just a really just cool, you know, I, I call it one of those magical Star Wars moments where, you know, Yoda is following these little like ethereal floating light balls while hearing the disembodied voice of a force spirit and of course Yoda's theme is playing throughout the whole thing and just seeing you know the the ancient wise Jedi master that we all know and love still learning new things about the force um is just super cool it's one of those moments that always puts a smile on my face um probably my favorite Yoda moment from all of of Clone Wars and uh yeah so that's my number 10. Yeah, that's a really good one. That was a special moment. Again, just having Yoda, seeing Yoda on Dagobah for the first time and knowing Qui-Gon was the one who led him there, uh, it's just great. <laughs> now, one of those things that just elevates when you see Dagobah the Empire Strikes Back. So Yeah. 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 And one. elevates uh, Revenge of the Sith, too, when, um, you know, obviously at the end when Yoda's talking to Obi-Wan and tells him, like, I have training for you in isolation and, you know, Qui-Gon has learned the path to immortality and I'll tell you, teach you how to commune with him. Now we see, like, how Yoda has gone through that training and how he gained that knowledge in the first yep. place. All right, so for my number 10, this is going to be one, um, probably, well, I shouldn't say probably, it is <laughs> the only one I'm going to take from the Clone Wars micro series, and it is going to be the first appearance of General Grievous. Mm. And we talked about it in our commentary, just how much I love that introduction to Grievous and just how beautifully done it was creating that suspense and that seeing the fear on the Jedi like we've never seen them before. And then just seeing Grievous in action was mind blowing at that time, as we talked about during that commentary. It was just we knew Grievous was going to be the villain in episode three. We knew he was going to first show up in this animated series. And boy, it did not disappoint seeing him use lightsabers like we never seen anyone use the lightsabers before. It was just incredible. The animation, the choreography, the speed that the fight sequence was animated in. It was just superb all the way around and making for a great finale to that first volume. And then the second volume picking up right where that one left off in in another <laughs> amazing action sequence where you got the clones involved. So all the way, all that whole sequence from the end of the first volume to the beginning of the second volume, I thought was just such a great way to introduce the character of General Grievous. And despite uh, him being somewhat different, <laughs> you could say, um, in Revenge of the Sith, um, it still just it doesn't take, I don't think, for me anyway, anything away from how great it was to see this character introduced for the first time. And at that moment where we're just experiencing Star Wars on TV, for me anyway, for the very first time, filling the gap between episodes two and three. I couldn't ask for anything better than for that moment to get me more amped for the next movie that we're going to get in a couple of years and to see its uh, main new villain. So I always love that sequence and just watching it again recently just reaffirmed how great it still is. I think it still holds up really, really well. So I had to wanted to make sure I got at least one moment from the micro series in here because even if it's not canon it is still great star wars animation and that was my favorite moment uh out of the whole series so yeah that'll be my number 10 pick nice see based on our commentary i would have thought you would have gone with uh like one of the the arc trooper moments like either, those were great either the, one, it, but... the one where they hijacked the tank or like yeah. fordo during the battle of coruscant yeah those you can make an argument for him, but the one with Grievous, like I said, just a perfect introduction to the character. It just seen stuff I've never seen before. Yeah. <laughs> it was just that always stuck stuck with me. Nah, it definitely is a great introduction. 
Um, all right, my number nine pick is going to be uh, Kanan training Sabine with the Darksaber. Um, and this is one of those scenes that, like, obviously, you know, it's a lightsaber duel. The action is really cool. It's a lightsaber training sequence, which we've never really seen, you know, an episode of any of these shows devote that much time to before. And I just love the progression of, uh, you know, just seeing Sabine training and her progression of her skill with the saber throughout this episode. Um, and I really wish we had gotten something like this in the Clone Wars with, like, Anakin and Ahsoka. Like, I still wish that during Season 3, like, that was how she switched to using two lightsabers that we had we saw an episode where you see Anakin training her with two sabers. Um, but also, I think what really makes this moment stand out is not just the lightsaber choreography and all that kind of stuff, but the character development that really both characters go through, especially Sabine. Um, But you really see a lot of growth in Kanan too. And even, you know, I was thinking about this as you were talking about him getting knighted and seeing his progression as a Jedi over the show from kind of, you know, reluctant Jedi. Like he doesn't even want to, you know, let anybody know that he's a Jedi. He's trying to be secretive, obviously, because this is post order 66 and the Jedi are being hunted. But to go from, you know, sort of reluctantly revealing himself as a Jedi to then reluctantly agreeing to train Ezra. And uh, you see that obviously, like, because Kanan's training was cut short too, like Order 66 happened when he was just a Padawan. Um, And so seeing how much he still has to learn and seeing his progression as a Jedi, um, like I watched the scene again earlier today and it really stood, stood out to me like how good of a teacher um he becomes like over the course of the series but you also see some of that within this episode too like he's frustrated with sabine at first and Hera kind of has to give him a pep talk about being patient with her and trusting her with the saber and all that um and so just in that final moment with the duel um you know kanan's sort of uh just poise and uh the way he's instructing her like it's very jedi master like um And then obviously Sabine finally working through all of her inner demons and her, you know, her past trauma with her family on Mandalore and the Empire and all that kind of stuff. And finally getting all that information filled in that like we as the audience had only seen little bits and snippets of. But it's obviously because Sabine, you know, was a very sort of guarded um, and, you know, didn't want to share that with anybody for obvious reasons and, and sort of had a lot of walls up. And so to see her finally let that out and work through that as she's progressing as a warrior, learning to fight with a lightsaber, uh, taking up the responsibility of the darksaber and what that means to her people and to the planet of Mandalore. Um, and of course, you know, the significance that we see that all the way from Clone Wars through, you know, now with the Mandalorian series. I mean, anytime you get a lightsaber duel with the Darksaber, that's going to be just bonus points right there. But um, yeah, for the the lore and the mythology of the Darksaber and Mandalore and just the cool lightsaber choreography and training sequence and for the great character growth and development that Kanan and Sabine go through, that's my number nine pick. Yeah, that's a good one. I was going back and forth between that and Kanan being knighted as far as my honorable mentions. But um, the one with Kanan being knighted just edges out just a bit. But yeah, that is a great moment from Rebels. All right, so for my number nine, this is going to be when Ahsoka leaves the Jedi Order, the season five finale, which at the time we thought might have been the very last episode of Clone Wars we were going to see. But man, talk about an emotional, powerful Star Wars moment there, especially for someone or any fan who has watched Clone Wars from the beginning when it first premiered in 2008, seeing Ahsoka be introduced for the first time and just the growth of the character and to where she ended up being by the time we got to that 
finale and how she had to make that tough choice. And this, that arc in general was just fantastic. Mm -hmm. But culminating into that moment where Ahsoka is leaving the order and it was just a powerful moment to see that conversation between her and Anakin as she's saying goodbye and how she needs to do this and how Anakin does his best to try to convince her to stay. And they just have that moment too, where um, Anakin reveals to her that, you know, he has moments too where he wanted to leave the order. And she just says, I know. (laughs) And just realizing, I think it is a great moment that just enhances and builds their master and apprentice relationship and just, the closeness and the bond that they had too. You just really saw it on display in that scene between the two of them and just how hard it was for both of them in that moment. And then you throw in the, just the fantastic music by Kevin Kiner mm-hmm. to close it out. I mean, it was so good. They used it again <laughs> for the season six uh, finale, which again, we thought might've been the final Clone Wars episode we were going to see, but yeah, it was just a great moment all the way around emotionally for the characters and just a pivotal moment for both of them. Even though we thought that might have been the end of the Clone Wars, it still doesn't lose its effect as far as how powerful it is, knowing what happens with those characters later on in later seasons of the Clone Wars and in Star Wars Rebels. But yeah, it was just a great moment. And it's a sad moment, but it's a great one um, for these two characters. And even at the time where we thought it could have been the last episode, it felt like a fitting ending too, where you... You might you would have some questions as far as what Ahsoka was doing during Revenge of the Sith, but we would at least know why she wasn't around during that time. She left the Jedi Order, and maybe we'd get those stories told somewhere else down the line. And obviously, we did get those stories told. Just at that time, we didn't know it would be more Clone Wars episodes. But even knowing at that time that that could have been the end, it did a good job of kind of wrapping up Ahsoka's story for the Clone Wars and how it uh, leads into Episode Three. So. But glad that wasn't the case. I'm glad we got so much more stories with Ahsoka, especially getting the true ending. But that is definitely always going to be remembered as a pivotal moment for um, the Clone Wars and the characters of Anakin and Ahsoka. So definitely had to be in my top 10 when you talk about uh, the best Star Wars animated moments. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I'm glad you put that on your list because that was definitely one that was in contention for me. Um, And when we made these lists, I initially wrote down like 20-something moments (laughs) moments that I then you know without numbering them or anything and then I had to narrow those down to 10 and that was one of my initial ones and I think for me the only reason I left that one off is just because it's so like bittersweet like it's not one of those moments I like to go back and rewatch because it still is like almost kind of depressing in a way like just you know because of obviously how how sad and emotional it is for Anakin and Ahsoka but also thinking back to that time as fans when we thought that was like saying saying goodbye to the Clone Wars too um so it's just, you know, it's not one that I go back and rewatch all the time just because I don't feel like putting myself through that. But it's also just so fantastically well done for all those reasons that you mentioned. So um, definitely one of the best ones for sure. Um, all right, getting to the number eight spot now. And uh, I'm sure this might be one that's going to be higher up on your list, Tim. But I had to pick one from the Umbara arc. And one that I felt like was sort of representative of the the clones and the way that the Clone Wars just portrays them as individuals and really develops them as characters. And it was really it was actually really hard to pick one moment from the Umbara arc, or even one I moment. Know exactly in, what you mean. <laughs> even one moment in general that sort of encapsulates like the what the clones in the Clone Wars are all about and what that show does for them as characters. Um. 
And so I actually went with, you know, having to, having to pick one moment, I picked the moment at the beginning of the episode Carnage of Krell when all the clones are lined up to execute Fives and mm-hmm. Jesse after they disobey Krell. And, um, you know, Fives kind of stops them and gives them a speech about, like, you know, we're, we're not just unthinking droids, we're men, and we have to be trusted to make the right decisions even when the orders were given are wrong, and, you know, Dogma's in charge of the firing squad, and he orders them all to fire – and, um, you know, I, I remember watching that for the first time and like Fives is giving this rousing speech and the dogma just kind of cuts him off. And it's like fire and the blaster shots ring out, the music stops. And for a second, you're like, holy crap, did they just get killed? And then, of course, you see all the, the missed blaster marks on the wall and Fives and Jesse are fine and all the clones drop their blasters. And then Rex comes up and says, you know, they're doing the right thing, dogma, because if this is how... um Gosh, I just watched this earlier. I forget exactly what he says, but he says, if this is how clones are rewarded for heroic actions, then one day all the clones in this battalion may face a similar fate or something along those lines. Um, and I love the, again, just, you know, seeing kind of their their defiance. And this is obviously the moment where, like, because even throughout the whole arc, like, Rex has still been trying to, like, be a, a good soldier and follow orders and go along with Krell, even though he disagrees with him and knows that he's wrong. But... Um, this is kind of the moment where even Rex is like, nah, forget this. And like, but just seeing how these guys all, um, you know, again, seeing their individuality as characters, but also their camaraderie as brothers and how they've got each other's backs. And, uh, you know, they may disagree on following Krell's orders and like whether they should blindly charge into battle or whatever. But when it comes to executing their own men, like that's where they draw the line. And it's like, no, we're not going to, uh, you know, choose this guy over our own brothers. We've got each other's back. We got to stand up to him. So um, that was a great moment. And I thought, you know, a couple of great speeches there from Fives and Rex and just showing great development for these clone characters across the board. Yes. Great moment. Great arc. And you'll hear some more from me about (laughs) that arc later on. All right. Well, what do you have at number eight? All right. So for me, number eight, this might be a unique choice especially when you talk about the yoda arc from season six and just how amazing that was all the way around so many memorable moments but there is one that really stuck out to me and just always makes me think of what could have been and just how great it was to see and that is the vision yoda has of kind of like that temptation vision of the jedi temple and the jedi order of what it could be Mm. if Qui-Gon was still alive. If Dooku didn't fall to the dark side, Anakin is a fully trained Jedi Knight amongst them as well. And it was just like this great, almost utopia setting seeing the Jedi Temple like that, where, man, this is how it should be. If everything just went right, Anakin was trained, Qui-Gon didn't die, Dooku. I just love that moment where you see Dooku, Qui-Gon, and Obi-Wan, this lineage of masters and apprentices just kind of talking and sharing stories of their past adventures it was just so great to see and again it just makes you it makes you sad realizing that this is kind of what if the galaxy was at peace this is what it had been like for all these great characters that we've come to know and love through the movies and through the clone wars and even yoda was taken in by it just how he i believe he just says it's just so peaceful here and he just gets taken up with it even though he can't believe he's seen qui-gon and dooku there so and then it gets turns to this like really creepy setting too. Once the veil starts coming down and Yoda suspects that 
this is just a vision and it's tempting him to kind of take the easy path and to succumb to this type of, you know, just realizing that this is the easy way and it's not meant to be. And he has to push forward through that and knowing there's more trials ahead, especially in the midst of the actual Clone Wars and what he needs to do as a Jedi and to just make that ultimate self-sacrifice in ordering to let go of all this to fully be trained into that way to become a force spirit that he'll eventually learn to become. But this was his biggest temptation here. And I just love how it was portrayed. And again, going back to how it ended where it becomes this really creepy setting where it gets dark, like the characters kind of start, there's that moment where like they freeze, but they're all kind of tilting and Yoda just calls everyone out calling Dooku a traitor says Qui-Gon's dead. And they're all just at this, stern look at Yoda like how could you be saying these things but Yoda is able to see right past it so it was definitely a memorable moment for me when I saw that episode for the first time it was just a really cool one too because it is that what could have been and just um, I'm glad we got a glimpse of what kind of the Jedi order and these Jedi Knights how they should be if there was peace in the galaxy it was just really fascinating for me to see for the first time and every time I watch it I just always think about how an arc full of amazing moments like i said this one it's just something special about it that we're seeing all these characters together um that we've never seen together before and that always sticks out to me every time i watch it and and like at the beginning of it i always get a smile on my face but then at the end it's like it's just (laughs) it sucks that it's not real (laughs) but um it is one that i don't think it's talked about enough um when you reference the yoda arc um, but it is definitely, at least for me anyway, one that is up there as far as great Star Wars animated moments because it's just nothing else like it. There really isn't, even though it is just a visit. It's just such a trip to see all these characters interacting together like that. So um, I always love loved that moment, and I'll probably continue to love it, and that's why it is number eight on my list. Can you imagine if we got a scene like that in the Obi-Wan series? Dude, where oh man. <laughs> he sees a he like he's going through the same training and sees a potential future where like Anakin and Padme are married and still alive and have like little kids of Luke wow. and Leia with them. Man, I didn't think about that, but now I really want it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that I didn't even think about that until you were just talking about it. But um, yeah, because that would be the equivalent to what Yoda's experiencing there for Obi Wan to see that. Yeah, the, what could have been if Anakin didn't fall to the dark side? Yeah, man, that would be incredible. Yeah, but that's definitely, I mean, you're right. That one kind of flies under the radar. Like, I didn't even think about that one. Um, And it probably wouldn't make my list anyway, just with so many other great moments, even just within that arc. You know, I already had a Yoda moment on here, but uh, that's definitely a good one, too. Um, All right, so what are we at, seven now? Yeah, Yeah. so my my number seven is going to be one that you mentioned earlier, and that's Darth Maul versus Pre Vizsla. Um, yeah, that was gonna be it. <laughs> yeah, and this I, that one had to make my list. I'm in the same camp with you, where I think this is better than the uh, the fight between Maul and Savage and Sidious. Um, that one's really cool. I mean, it is the first time that we see Sidious fight with two lightsabers. It's the first time we've seen that big of a battle between you know three Sith going at it. Um, but I mean, the the Maul versus Pre Vizsla duel was something we'd never seen before. Seeing a Sith versus a Mandalorian go head to head, seeing again the dark saber in action—that's always going to get bonus points from me. Um, but also, as I was thinking about it earlier, I realized like we've never seen a lightsaber duel where the stakes are that high, 
sort of outside of the duel itself. We obviously have duels where there's very high personal stakes, but we've never had a lightsaber duel where the fate of an entire planet is on the line. Um, and you yeah, could sure. you could argue with, you know, like Anakin versus Obi-Wan or Luke versus Vader that like there would be galaxy-wide consequences for whoever wins that duel. But it's not, you know, like if, if Luke kills Vader, like Palpatine is still in charge. If Vader kills Luke, there's still a rebellion. Like... You know, it, it wouldn't dynamically shift things that much. Whereas this, you know, these guys have conquered Mandalore together and now they're fighting over it. And the future of this planet is going to be determined by who wins this duel. So really cool stakes, really cool. Again, just seeing um, Pre Vizsla, you know, holding his own with the Darksaber, but pulling out every trick in his arsenal with the the rockets and the flamethrower and the darts and the grenades and all that kind of stuff. Um, or not the darts, the little like, you know, saw blade things that he shoots at him and actually like slices Maul's face a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I just love it. I love how intense and sort of visceral it is. Um, and, uh, even like you mentioned earlier too, like Maul could have easily just like force choked him, um, or use some of his, use some of his force powers to end that duel pretty quick. But the fact that he, kind of stays on Vizsla's level. I think he has to do that to like earn the respect of the Mandalorians because he's challenging him, challenging him in their like ancient warrior yeah. tradition and fighting in front of all the other Mandalorians there. So he's like, I'm not going to, you know, make this easy and use the force. I'm going to beat you in straight hand-to-hand combat. Um, and of course he does earn the respect of, of the rest of them because a lot of them bow down to him when he wins. And then of course, just the brutal execution to end it. Um, Gosh, I always say like that Mandalore arc of season five is like it's like a Game of Thrones in Star Wars. You know, you've got political shifting alliances and lots of scheming and backstabbing and then lots of cool, you know, war and battle sequences and all that kind of stuff. It's it's crazy. But um, yeah, that duel is uh, definitely one of the highlights of the Clone Wars for me. Yeah, well, safe to say we have, we'll probably eventually do it, but we do our top star wars duels from everything movies tv shows that one's probably gonna be on everyone's <laughs> list probably depending on how long the lists are i mean if we're doing top 10 then definitely top five uh, there's a lot of competition yeah but that's pretty that one's pretty hard to beat <laughs> yeah all right so for my number seven um we're gonna stay in the same arc but we're gonna move on to the next episode the lawless and for this moment, it's going to be the death of Satine. And it's obviously not a great moment because Satine died. Obviously, it was very sad. But just for mainly what Obi-Wan, what it does for him as a character. I think this is one of Obi-Wan's most shining moments as a Jedi Knight in the saga. Just for the way he was able to resist the dark side here. And Maul is trying his best to get Obi-Wan to give in to his fear and his anger and Obi-Wan just isn't having it. And it goes, it goes great too with in the season four finale revenge where Obi-Wan is learning Maul's tactics here because in the season four finale, Maul eggs Obi-Wan on saying how he gutted Qui-Gon. How did that make you feel? And Obi-Wan kind of gives into a little bit of rage right there. And Maul calls him out on it saying, Oh, that's not very Jedi like, and he's trying to do the same here on a more intense level obviously killing someone that he knows Obi-Wan loves very much and he thinks that's going to do it. But Obi-Wan stands his ground. And I just absolutely love the dialogue Obi-Wan has here as Maul is saying all the stuff about 
the dark side and to give into it, give into your fear and anger. I just love how Obi-Wan says it just takes more strength to resist the dark side. Like only the weak embrace it, just throwing it right back at Molly. It's just so right there. It's just amazing. And then just hearkening back to his line to Vader in A New Hope saying, uh, if you destroy me, I'll become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. He doesn't say that exact line, but it aches to it where he says, you may kill me, but you can never, I can never be destroyed. You can never destroy what I am. Some, something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing there, but it definitely harkened back to that moment um, when he was talking to Vader there. And just really this exemplifies what I think a true Jedi should be. Obi-Wan obviously loves the teen. You see the hurt, the pain when he sees her die. But so, but it doesn't go to that level where Anakin would, where he just gives into that anger and just goes all out and immediately seeks revenge to take out Maul. But, but he doesn't show that kind of coldness that Jedi would have towards death, just thinking, oh, they're now she would now be part of the cosmic force, and that's just the way of life. No, you see the hurt and just the sorrow that he has when he's holding her, and it just. Also, kind of reminds me too of a little bit of Anakin's dialogue when he's talking to Padme in Attack of the Clones, where she says, you know, the Jedi aren't allowed to love. And he goes, attachment is forbidden, possession is forbidden. But then it goes about talking about how a Jedi is encouraged to love, kind of in that way where Obi Wan obviously doesn't view Sabine at, or Satine as an attachment or like an emotional attachment, but it's still, he still loves her. He even told her that in the Voyage of Temptation, where if she just gave the word, he would have left the Jedi Order. I think that always stayed with him. But yet, Obi-Wan still um, held on to the part of the Jedi teachings that I think aren't so weighed down by that fact of not having any sorrow or grief when you lose someone in death. It just, to me, struck the perfect balance of what a Jedi should be in that moment. And it just shows that I think why Obi-Wan is truly one of, if not the greatest Jedi that has ever served the Order. So I just think it was a great moment um, for him as a character in the entire saga. It was just a great moment for uh, Obi-Wan. Again, it's a sad moment, but one that just shows the kind of character that Obi-Wan is. And I think it even ties into his confrontation with Maul in Rebels in uh, Twin Sons, just how that went down and just how he never gave into that anger and hatred that Maul wanted him to have for him because even when he strikes Maul down in that episode, he's almost kind of like holding him the same way he was Satine in that moment. Not quite um, the same, but he just didn't leave him there to die. He was there to kind of to be with Maul in his last moments, um, almost feeling pity for him. So just a great moment, like I said, for Obi-Wan's character and one that just echoes down um, over the, when we see him later on for in the timeline, once we get closer to A New Hope too. So again, just a very great and I think powerful moment um, for Obi-Wan. Yeah, that definitely is a good one. I like that we're, uh, yeah, we're pretty diversified in our list here so far. Um, so going to number six now, my number six pick is going to be Order 66, um, which we obviously see in uh, the Clone Wars episode Shattered um, from season seven in the Siege of Mandalore. And this one in particular, the, you know, part of it is just the fact that we had been waiting so long to see how this was going to go down, um, especially once we knew that Clone Wars was coming back and we knew that we were going to get to see the Siege of Mandalore. But even before that, like, we always wondered what happened to Rex and what happened to Ahsoka during Order 66. Like, would they survive that long? 
um because obviously we don't see them in revenge of the sith but you know would they still be around during that time period and if so like what would happen to them would ahsoka survive order 66 would rex turn on her during order 66 and so this was something that we'd waited to see for so long just wondering how it was all going to play out and so finally seeing it and seeing rex taking the order seeing him and all the clones shooting at ahsoka was just it was intense it was crazy it was hard to believe we were actually seeing it it was visually spectacular you know just that moment of like ahsoka where she's up on the hollow table spinning around deflecting all the blaster bolts and then you know escaping through the ceiling is just such a visually striking image um but the, I, I, I to be honest i actually wasn't gonna put this uh on my list initially um and not to give too many spoilers for what's coming next but i didn't want to have too many moments from the siege of mandalore because this is not the <laughs> only this is <laughs> no, not the exactly only moment from this arc on my list um but the reason i felt like i had to include it and again i was thinking back to the clones and how the series really developed them and i feel like that was a pivotal um just aspect of the clone wars that i really wanted to kind of convey my appreciation for and specifically the moment within order 66 it's the fact that rex is able to fight off the programming for long enough to try to help Ahsoka before he gives yep. in and starts trying to kill her. And specifically the fact that he mentions fives, that all he can manage is to tell her find fives. And the fact that, you know, that it ties back to the order 66 arc from season six. And I love fives. He's probably my second favorite clone trooper after Rex. In fact, he's definitely my favorite, second favorite clone trooper after Rex. And I love the journey that he goes through in that episode, in, in that arc that he, you know, uncovers this conspiracy and he's so close to unraveling this whole thing and saving everybody from, you know, the the pain and the death of Order 66 and only for him to get killed, for it to get swept under the rug, for nobody to believe him, you know, they they discredit him and everything. And so as much as it is sort of like a, a powerful and emotional and tragic journey, it sucks that at the end of it, it almost feels like it was all for nothing. Like at the end of everything that he went through, nothing came of it until we see this actually happen in season seven and you realize even though fives wasn't able to prevent order 66 even though he wasn't able to stop it and you know most people still didn't believe him rex at least believed him enough to sort of look into it a little further and didn't find out the whole truth but figured there was something going on and he leaves a breadcrumb for ahsoka to follow and then obviously she's able to escape um and then she's able to find out what's going on with the chips and everything and then is able to capture rex and get the chip out of his head and the two of them escape together so without five sacrifice rex and ahsoka like ahsoka probably dies during order 66 and rex probably just becomes a drone of the empire just like all the other clones so i love that i love that specific call out um and the fact that that was integrated into the storyline for season seven and the, and the fact that that arc actually does have more of a payoff and that fives didn't die for nothing. Um, so I, I love that in conjunction with also just, you know, just the, the emotional roller coaster of seeing order 66 play out again and, and seeing uh, Ahsoka and Rex go through that after wondering about it for so long. So that's why I love that moment. Yeah. Um, you'll be hearing me talk about that in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I figured. <laughs> Uh, but for my number six pick, and this one I imagine is going to be on your list too, Kyle, but way higher. <laughs> but it's not nothing to take away for how amazing it is. But it is going to be from the Siege of Mandalore, and I totally agree. It was hard just to not to take so many other moments from the Siege of Mandalore. I kind of wanted to live it. But um, I am going to go with the Maul versus Ahsoka fight and how incredible 
that moment was just all the way around when you're talking about a lightsaber duel in the saga, just how well choreographed it was, but just the setting behind it and what those two characters have been through over the course of the series, meeting up to this moment and just knowing what the, was the fate of the galaxy was on the table in a way in this moment. Obviously we as an audience know that their fight wasn't going to change the outcome for what we already knew from the events of Revenge of the Sith. But to those characters, this was kind of the most pivotal moment of their lives. This duel was with Ahsoka trying, I mean, hearing the words of Maul saying that her master Anakin was going to be the emperor's greatest weapon really and could join the dark side and how Ahsoka just immediately just shoots that down. Like you're a liar. No, (laughs) like that can't be. And then she doesn't join him. But then Maul wanting to, realizing that this is a pivotal moment in the galaxy before Palpatine seizes control and takes over. And this is his one last shot maybe to try to prevent that or at least kind of put a throw a, a little wrench in his plans here, not having the chosen one as his apprentice. And so you got that surrounding it. But then also, too, um, when you just talk about, where again, what these two characters have been through over the course of the series, as far as even the title, The Phantom Apprentice, these two characters being pretty much betrayed by what they believed in, the orders they believed in, Maul with the Sith, Ahsoka with the Jedi, but yet uh, they're still here and they're having this battle that is going to affect both of them, the Sith and the Jedi, at least, again, to them, it's a real turning point in the events of the Clone Wars and uh, obviously the, the galaxy because of that, but it's just an incredible moment. The dialogue that Maul and Ahsoka share here before the duel, during the duel. And again, the at the actual choreography of the lightsaber battle is just on another level when it comes to animation. It was just amazing. And I'm sure you're going to have more to say about that, Kyle. So <laughs> um, I'll go ahead and put a period on my high points for this animated Star Wars moment and why it's so great. And I totally can understand why it'll rank higher on other people's lists because everyone was just blown away by it when we first saw it, when the episode first aired. I believe actually a year ago today as we're recording this episode, or at least a few, <laughs> give or take a day or two, but I remember, I think I saw a tweet or a post about how The Phantom Apprentice aired a year ago, um, either today or this week, which is hard to believe, but it still resonated it resonated then when you first saw it as just an amazing star wars moment and i think it always will so definitely had to have it um somewhere on my list in my top 10 because it is an animated star wars moment that will be remembered for quite a long time especially when it was something that we thought we would never get to see when we saw the concept art of maul fighting ahsoka and just how it just felt like we can only see it in a dream. And then when it became reality, it was just, it lived up to all expectations. So yeah, it is a great one that um, I would imagine would be on most Star Wars fans, top uh, Star Wars animated moments. It sure is. And uh, you're right. We'll be coming back to that later. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I, there's there's going to be quite a bit of Maul on my list from this point. <laughs> uh, because my number five is going to be Ezra and Maul on Malachor uh, from Twilight of the Apprentice. And uh, technically, you know, if you want to say we're picking moments from from different episodes, you can say this is Twilight of the Apprentice Part 1. I still think of that episode as just one long two-parter that, you know, like it aired in. But um, 
I think in the Vader and Ahsoka duel, like people tend to focus on that. At least I I did for a while and kind of forgot about how awesome the rest of this episode is. And it's got so much great stuff with like, you know, all the lightsaber duels with the Inquisitors and, and all that kind of stuff. But um, especially for me as a fan of the Old Republic and seeing a planet like Malachor come to life in canon um, and seeing them like explore the ruins of ancient Sith temples and see the remnants of these ancient wars and just talk about ancient wars between the Jedi and the Sith. I love seeing that kind of stuff and I love the little teases of it that we get brought into canon every now and then, you know, obviously still waiting for them to go and do a full, full blown old Republic movie or series or something like that. Um, and then to get, you know, Ezra running into the old master who of course we all know is Maul, but, um, seeing that sort of like twisted master and apprentice relationship develop between the two of them. Um, and Ezra really starting to trust this guy and obviously not knowing, Maul's real intentions and his real history and, and identity and all that kind of stuff. But just seeing them walk through that Malachor temple together um, with Maul, like explaining the dark side to him and them, you know, having to lift these giant stones, you know, almost having to like do a puzzle that they can only solve together because of course, always too, there are a master and an apprentice. So it makes sense that to get into an ancient Sith tomb, you need two force users using the dark side to get through and just, you know, Sith relics and holocrons and and Maul teaching him about the dark side and all that kind of stuff like is just that's what I'm here for. I hope we get more of this stuff down the line. Um and uh I don't think it's a surprise that there's going to be at least one more moment from Twilight of the Apprentice later on my list too, but I had to include this one in here as well. Um you know, initially I well see this is part of why I wanted to do a top 10. Uh because um you know, I could get some some more moments in at the bottom that were going to be from other episodes because a lot of the ones at the top are from some of the same story arcs. But um, this was a moment that I, I really had to call out to, especially as a fan of the Old Republic, but also just as a fan of Maul. Like, I think through Clone Wars and Rebels, I'm, you know, I think it's safe to say at this point Maul is my second favorite Star Wars villain behind Vader. Um, and these shows just did leaps and bounds more than the movies ever did for his character development and making him into a, a really complex and layered villain um, that is just so fun to watch. Yeah, that was a nice choice. Wouldn't have made my list. Obviously it didn't, but it, when you talk about it, like, man, that is really a cool moment because you're right. Twilight of the Apprentice does get overshadowed by when Vader shows up, but seeing Maul there and again, having him, have this twisted master and apprentice relationship with that was Ezra's was pretty crazy to see unfold right here and then how it continued later on in season. So good call on that one. So for my wow. number five, man, we're in our top five already. Okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah, these were the big ones. And now we're going to go into the Umbar arc for me and kind of like what you were saying, it was kind of hard to narrow down to what moment exactly, because I could easily just say the whole entire arc It is my second favorite arc in all of Clone Wars, um, just what it did for the clone troopers. But to pick one specific moment, I'm going to go with the last battle from the very first episode of the arc, Darkness on Umbara, where the clone troopers get ambushed by the Umbarans. And um, it is a really cool battle sequence. I, again, it's like this level about Star Wars. They get these different types of great action, lightsaber duels, space battles, and then these ground battles with these soldiers and these barrage of blasters just going everywhere, these different weapons 
just flying across the environment that they're in. It was just incredible. And again, to see it in an animated show, um, it was just, it did what um, hardly any other arc in Clone Wars did, maybe except landing at Point Rain in season two. But I think this arc took it to another level. It was just a great battle sequence, seeing the clones take on the Umbarans. And some of my favorite clone trooper shots are in this moment right here um, with Tup and then with Fives, but in particular Fives. There's uh-huh. that just awesome moment where that Umbaran tries to do a sneak attack on Fives and he just flips him, smashes his helmet with his elbow and the just really great pose of him just sh- blasting him with his blaster. It was That was like my phone wallpaper for probably a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Never got a good like high-res clear image of it it was just a screenshot i took from my tv screen but it was good enough because it's just an amazing shot and again just what this arc did for the clone troopers it's just it was just so fantastic and it really elevated and i wouldn't say elevated i guess cement the clone troopers and their story being my second favorite aspect of the entire star wars saga and just what i love about it so much this series just did a phenomenal job showing that these are more than just mindless soldiers but human beings and brothers that you just learn to care about over the course of the series and this moment was just a really test of these soldiers and what they have to go through and there's some horrific stuff that happens to them and they're obviously the friendly fire moment in the carnage of krell i mean i was not never expecting to see something like that in the series and this arc gave it to us but just going back to that specific moment the the battle in the first episode, Darkness of Umbara. And another reason why I had to make it in my top five favorite animated Star Wars moment ever is because I remember watching it for the first time and just being completely blown away and just thinking, man, this is some of the coolest Star Wars stuff I have ever seen. It's just incredible. I need to hear other people talk about this. I need to find and explore other podcasts. So it's because of this first episode, I found Frontline's The Clone Wars podcast hosted by Mike and Matt, and I enjoyed it, and I continued on listening to it ever since. And, of course, that later got me involved to writing for the website, podcasting, and meeting you, Kyle. And then I guess the rest is history (laughs) as we're recording this episode right now. And it's safe to say I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for the Umbara arc. And that is something that I'll always keep that arc and in particular this episode in such high regard when you talk about star wars animation because it did more for me than just enjoying a great piece of star wars content content it introduced me into the world of star wars podcasting and making some great friends along the way so um it's something i'll always associate with that episode as well and why i have it so high on my list as far as being in my top five so yeah, that moment from Darkness of Anambara is an all-timer for me. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool that you can point to that specific moment and specific episode like that. Um, and, of course, that's a really cool moment in the episode, too. Especially as soon as you started talking about it, I could picture that shot of fives, you know, shooting down at the guy. That's really cool. And like we said, it's it's so hard to pick just one moment from the Anambara arc. That's an all-timer. Um, but going into number four now, my number four is going to be... Um, Anakin and Ahsoka's last meeting uh, before they part ways in the Siege of Mandalore. And, um, you know, another scene that we waited years to see just built up the the anticipation. And um, 
you know, from the moment that they walk into that hangar and you see Rex and all the clones there with their helmets painted, like with her colors and her honor, um, there's just such a, a great heartwarming moment. I'm so glad we finally got to see it after years of like hearing Ashley Eckstein talk about it at celebrations and just her tearing up, just hearing Dave describe it. Um, and that's just like, I love all the character relationships in this moment, like seeing the obviously just the the bond and the camaraderie between Anakin and Ahsoka and then just the loyalty and the respect that Rex and the clones have for her um and then of course they're all getting ready to ship off to Mandalore and the alarms come out and you know they find out that Palpatine's been kidnapped and they have to divert back to Coruscant and so um you know Obi-Wan's like no we got to go save the Chancellor and Ahsoka's like no we got to go save Mandalore and Anakin you know is kind of playing mediator between the two of them um, and comes up with a solution to, you know, promote Rex to commander, send Ahsoka with him so they can still go to Mandalore. And there we get our, you know, obviously we already knew at this point, but, you know, finding out why Rex and Ahsoka aren't in, uh, Revenge of the Sith and where they're going to be at during that time. Um, but then just, you know, the, the parting scene that in the middle of, you know, all this sort of chaos as they're getting ready to head off to battle, getting this fi nice final moment between Anakin and Ahsoka where he gives her her lightsabers back. Um, and just hearing that swelling of Ahsoka's theme as she ignites the lightsabers, um, sees that Anakin's obviously turned to blue because he can't help but like tinker with stuff. And, you know, they have a little banter back and forth. And then um, just... You know, where he says, like, you capture Maul, I'll take care of Grievous, and with any luck, this will all be over soon. And kind of bittersweet that they part on such a sort of lighthearted note, you know, just assuming that this is all going to turn out okay. I mean, he makes it sound so easy. And, you know, not knowing that the whole galaxy is about to be turned upside down and that it's the last time that they're going to see each other as Anakin and Ahsoka, you know, before one of them becomes a Sith Lord. But, um, yeah, it's it's... I don't know. I, I like again. I I love the dynamic between those two characters. Again, I I probably picked this for the same reason that you put her leaving the order um, on your list. Um, again, just I think it really encapsulates the best of just the relationship between Anakin and Ahsoka. Um, but also, and like I said, it's it's just such a kind of a bittersweet moment knowing what comes next and what they're heading into, um, and that you know when she just kind of gives him that half smile and says, Anakin, good luck. And he just kind of smiles at her and turns and heads off. Um, you know, neither of them knowing what's about to happen um, really kind of puts another layer of emotion to it and uh, just sort of this impending um, heaviness. But also within the moment, it's just such a, um, I don't know, just such a nice touching like reunion and uh, such a sort of uplifting moment between the two of them. Yeah, just, again, one of the, the many great moments of the Siege of Mandalore and just how it is the last time Anakin and Ahsoka see each other and just how great that, how well done that was and how, what their last interaction as Anakin and Ahsoka was before the eventual meeting, again, between Ahsoka and Darth Vader. It was just great. And, one again, like I said, one of those bittersweet moments too because it's a great moment for them but you know where it's going to lead for the characters so but yeah just regardless a great way to send those characters off on their different paths that they're going to take throughout the course of the arc so another great one all right so from my number four pick we're going to stay with the siege of mandalore and we're going to go back to order 66 and don't want to repeat to 
too much of what you said, Kyle, because you said it great of how amazing that moment was. But just to reiterate how that was one of the biggest moments I was looking forward to in the Siege of Mandalore. Obviously, we knew about Maul finding Ahsoka, but we didn't know too much how Order 66 was going to go down in that arc between Rex and Ahsoka. And I was just on pins and needles waiting to see that happen. Even though I was watching it, I remember, I think I said it before on an episode where I was just like literally just shaking my leg with this anticipation <laughs> and just kind of nervousness of how all this was going to go down. And boy, did it, it did not disappoint when it came to the emotional level that you felt seeing these characters be put in the situations that they were in. Rex trying so hard to fight it, but yet he couldn't. And he, him seeing him fire a blaster at Ahsoka, I mean, it was just something that you hated to see, but yet it was done so well. And Ahsoka doing all she can to not only help Rex, but do her best not to have too many clone casualties. And I said before how much I appreciated they made an effort to show that with her. And then also that moment too, kind of at the end, not even, um, it's on the final episode, but where it just looks like all hope is lost and that Rex doesn't know what to do. He's kind of telling her that the clones, they're, they were his brothers, but yet they won't hesitate to kill them now, him or Ahsoka. And then when Ahsoka takes off his helmet and you see that tear come down his eyes, it just, how hard it is for him to go through this. And again, like you were talking about how after everything they went through, what Rex went through over the course of the Clone Wars, how he's kind of realizing probably here how it all came down to this and it, it amounted to nothing really. It is just tragic. As we said many times before, talking about the clones and their story, just what a tragic story it is. And it, there is no better showcase of that than what the Siege of Mandalore showed us with Order 66 and how um, the most prominent clone character in Captain Rex had to deal with it and just seeing his reaction to it. I mean, it was just incredible to what they did and how they showed showed it over the course of these final two episodes of the series. So, yeah, the way Order 66 was handled, it, it could have couldn't be done any better, really. It was just phenomenal what they did. And again, one of those things that it just had a lot of high expectations as far as um, what it means for these characters and how it should be. And it, I think it's safe to say they surpassed expectations as far as hitting that emotional feeling that you wanted to feel when you saw all this go down for these characters that we just loved so much over the course of watching the series for a decade and more. So, um, yeah, Order 66 in the Siege of Mandalore, it couldn't have been done any better than the way it was done in those episodes. And that episode, Shattered, is probably my favorite of the entire Siege of Mandalore arc, just for how well um, they executed the Order 66 sequence. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think one element of it that neither of us mentioned that also makes it so great is the moment leading right up to it where Ahsoka like sense you know starts sensing through the force and hearing well like she and maul both sense it at the same time but you hear yep. the voices from the actual movie of like anakin and palpatine and mace windu like as that's all happening um you know as as obviously anakin uh helps me or helps palpatine kill mace windu and then you know becomes a sith lord and then she you know she goes to tell rex like hey i think something bad has happened and then that's right when order 66 is happening so um yeah, so even, you know, just the the connectivity with the movie as well. 
um, and just knowing all the other stuff that's going on at that moment. But yeah, it was perfectly uh, executed. Pun intended, um, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, all right, so we're into the top three now. And my number three is going to be Obi-Wan versus Maul on Tatooine from the Rebels episode Twin Sons. You kind of alluded to this earlier, talking about, um, you know, Maul and uh, Obi-Wan and Satine. Um, but man, this is a perfect example for me of like, like if we were doing top 10 episodes of, you know, of animated Star Wars series, I don't know that Twin Sons would rank quite this high. Like, I like the whole episode overall with, you know, Ezra going on his journey to find uh, find Obi-Wan and warn him about Maul and everything. But, like, it's a good episode overall, but obviously the last eight minutes or whatever it is where he actually finds Obi-Wan and he has the confrontation with Maul is some of the best stuff in not just animated, but all of Star Wars. Um and also, I will say, with these top three moments, I mean, these could all flip-flop for me, but this is just kind of the way they land right now. But I, I'd watch any of these on any given day, regardless of how many times I've already rewatched it. Um, but man, just the... First of all, Stephen Stanton's performance as Old Ben blew me away. I, I wasn't expecting yeah. anybody to, to sound that similar to Alec Guinness and uh, just deliver a fantastic performance. And then, of course, Sam Witwer always on point as Maul and just the dialogue between the two of them is so great. And I love the, you know, look what you look, what has become of you a rat in the desert. And Obi-Wan says, look what I've risen above. Um, and kind of going back to what you were talking about in uh, Clone Wars, where Obi-Wan, like before Maul kills Satine, Obi-Wan kind of taunts him a little bit where Obi Maul's trying to get him to give into the dark side. And Obi-Wan's like, it takes strength to resist the dark side. Like you think you're the one with all the power, and yet I'm better than you. And it's kind of the same thing here. Like Obi-Wan mm -hmm. or Maul comes to kill him and thinking he's all big and bad. And Obi-Wan's just living alone out in the desert. And Maul's kind of like, hey, look what's become of you. And Obi-Wan's like, yeah, but at least I'm not you. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, still creeping around, just like motivated by hatred. Like I'm, I've made peace with where I'm at. Um, so just, I love the, the interaction between the characters, the fact that it's the culmination of just years of this back and forth between the two of them. Um, and then the initial, you know, or the, the actual lightsaber duel, which short as it is, I think is fantastic, especially once you realize sort of the thought that went into it and, and what's actually going on there. And the fact that, um, you know, and like Dave Filoni and Sam Witwer have talked about this, how it's very inspired by like samurai films where um, it's just kind of like a one-strike kill and a lot of the battle is mental and them trying to read each other before they actually start fighting. And the way that Obi-Wan plays him, where, like, you know, he starts with his sort of Clone Wars-type pose and then he kind of holds the saber in front of him in, like, a, a normal pose and then he goes up into Qui-Gon's pose that Maul would have seen back when they first fought. And uh, you can kind of see Maul's eyes light up and he goes, oh, because, you know, because Maul is that spiteful and because pride and hubris is always the downfall of the villains in Star <laughs> Wars, it's like he plays right into Obi-Wan's hands. He should have seen it coming. Like, that's the whole reason why Obi-Wan went to that Qui-Gon stance, but it just makes Maul go, oh, I'm going to kill him the same way I killed Qui-Gon. That'll be poetic. And of course, Obi-Wan sees it coming because that's what he wanted him to do. And he strikes him down. And... um but yeah, just such a, a quick, precise, succinct duel, like 
you know, and obviously we've never seen that style of fight in Star Wars before, but I think it's very effective nonetheless. And then, of course, the conversation afterwards, and you you sort of likened um, Maul, uh, Obi-Wan holding Maul's body to the way he holds Satine, but I think it's really meant to mirror him holding Qui-Gon. Um, because even that dialogue yeah, that's is probably more accurate. Yeah. yeah, even that dialogue is very similar where you know uh where Qui-Gon says he is the chosen one, he will bring balance. And where um oh even you know leading up to the fight where Maul's sort of taunting him and he realizes he's like, Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you're protecting something, or no, you're protecting someone. And that's when Obi-Wan finally ignites the saber. It's like he's like, I'm not gonna fight you, I'm not gonna fight you, I don't care about this, you're just holding on to hate, and as soon as there's even a hint of Maul potentially threatening Luke. Obi-Wan's like, okay, we're fighting. Um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, and so then, uh, you know, so Maul realizes that, and as he's dying, he says, tell me, is he the chosen one? And Maul says, or Obi-Wan says he is. And then instead of, you know, he will bring balance, Maul says he will avenge us. And then he dies. And, I mean, I I love just that sort of opposite side of the coin, like, because he wants the same thing that Obi-Wan wants. He wants whoever this chosen one is. He wants Luke to go on and become powerful enough to overthrow Palpatine as punishment for everything that he's gone through. And it really is like I love seeing kind of the the similarities between the two characters as much as they are complete opposites. As much as Obi-Wan is serene and peaceful and Maul is, you know, power hungry and greedy and fueled by hatred – They've both been through a lot. They've obviously both been uh, sort of victims of Palpatine and the Empire's rise to power and the schemes of the Sith. And they're, you know, sort of two survivors of a bygone era trying to make their way in this, you know, this new galaxy. Um, and so I think Obi-Wan kind of sees that and and sort of takes pity on him a little bit, you know, as again, he's cradling him and doesn't just leave him to die and he closes his eyes as he's dying. Um, so I love seeing Obi-Wan's compassion there. Again, the fact that after all these years, he's willing to just let this go. He's not like, Maul, it's you again. We're going to fight again. Like, he doesn't mm. care. He's like, dude, give it up. Why are you still at this? <laughs> um, but then, of course, like I said, you know, if Obi if Maul's going to threaten Luke, then Obi-Wan's going to fight and he's going to, you know, make quick work of it and uh, not play around. So I love the duel. I love the interaction between their characters. And it's just, you know, I, I love the the vocal performances. And it's just one of those, like, pivotal Star Wars moments. And one that we kind of never thought we'd see, right? Especially with the Clone Wars. Like, whoever would have thought that the ending of Maul's story arc would be Obi-Wan killing him in the desert of Tatooine as he's watching over Luke. Like, you know, we, I don't, at least for me, I never thought we would have seen that. Um, or thought that those storylines would have gone on that long because, you know, we, Rebels wasn't something we were even thinking about back then. So to see Maul's character get to continue on from one series to another, um, and even though Obi-Wan wasn't really a main character in Rebels, to see him get to come in for this one episode and, and get to wrap this episode up nicely. And I think even though, like, obviously Rebels, it wasn't like Clone Wars where they hopped around to different characters for different episodes. Like, even in this episode, they kind of still keep the focus on Ezra. I think they shifted the focus to Maul and Obi-Wan long enough just for this one moment that it was a very satisfying conclusion to that story arc. Um, and then, of course, you see Ezra go back to uh, to the Rebels, and, and he's kind of resolved and put this whole thing behind him. Um, and then, of course, you end with that fantastic shot of Obi-Wan, you know, watching Luke run home to Aunt Beru with the, the twin sons going down behind him. So... Um, 
again, on a given day, you know, this could maybe be like, I certainly wouldn't fault anybody for putting this as their number one. Um, this is a, a fantastic moment. It happens to be my number three right now, but definitely one of my favorite moments, not just in animation, but in all of Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, it's great for all the reasons that you said. And surprisingly, though, it's not on my top 10 list. Wow. But because, I, I mean, it's a great Obi-Wan moment. But when I was deciding between it's going to be this one or the one with, as I talked about, with Satine, Maul and Obi-Wan. And that one went out for all the reasons I talked about why I loved it so much. To me, it just showcased Obi-Wan more as a character, just a little bit better than this one did. But not to take anything away from how amazing that moment was between Obi-Wan and Maul here. But it's just, it just great all the way around when you just look at the, <laughs> the story of Obi-Wan Kenobi, just what he's been through and just the moments that he has. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, I was, te- was hard to leave off. I will say, but I just didn't want to have a list con- kind of dominated by certain similar elements in Star Wars animations. And when I was thinking about this one and the one between the death of Satine and Obi-Wan, I felt that one was a little more impactful for me. But yeah, like you said, can't fault anyone for having it as their number one um, at all, because it is a great moment. I um, just a great ending for this kind of story and rivalry that these two characters have had. Start started with the Phantom Menace, and like you said, who would have thought back in 1999 when we just saw Obi Wan kill Maul that it would actually end up Obi Wan killing Maul just a few decades later mm-hmm. <laughs> and in animation? But um, yeah, it's just still a, a really great moment for the character of Obi Wan and Maul. All right, so for my number th- three pick, we're gonna stick with Star Wars Rebels, and we're gonna probably go into what is my favorite element that the series introduced and that is the world between worlds and it's kind of hard to focus just on one particular moment if i had to choose one it would be that moment where ezra pulls ahsoka out um from the that time window he's looking at and brings her in the world between worlds that was it just opened up a whole new can of worms and possibilities for what uh, the Star Wars universe uh, can do now. But just even every moment where they're in the world between worlds just was really blowing me away. I just remember seeing it for the first time and just the moment we start hearing the voices and the dialogue from the movies, from all eras, the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, the sequel trilogy, at least Force Awakens, because that was the only one that was released at the time. And even Rogue One, just incorporating all of these different eras of the Star Wars saga and just how pretty much time doesn't exist there or time, all time exists there, so to speak. It was just opening up this whole new possibility of the Force. And I just ate it all up as I was watching it. I was losing my mind and just getting geeking out so much. And that's what great Star Wars stories do, in my opinion. And a lot of those great Star Wars stories are done in animation where. It just introduces us and opens up the door to things we never even would have thought of with some familiar aspects of Star Wars. And it just builds on it and builds on these this great concept that was introduced by George Lucas with the Force. And to much to my surprise, and I totally disagree, but I know this it didn't work for everyone. A lot of people or fans, I should say, don't like this introduction and this aspect of the Force or just even the possibility of affecting time 
um, with Star Wars and the Force is what this episode introduced, but um, not me. I loved it. To me, it just expands on creating that mystery of the Force because we they really don't give too much information as far as what that area actually is. Um, they give you just enough to kind of understand what it's all about, but doesn't give you all the answers to how it was created or um, the reason behind that plane existing. So there is that element, and Dave Filoni always likes doing that, where he doesn't like explaining everything and wants the fans to kind of create their own stories or ideas in their heads, because that's what he did when he solved the original trilogy with certain elements that and moments that happened there. But the way this episode and just seeing Ezra walking around that endless space between space and time and affecting time, pulling Ahsoka in there. Then you throw Palpatine getting involved and just how that's something he really wants to have control of. And getting Ian McDermott back to voice Palpatine in that moment was great. Just hearing him say the name Ahsoka <laughs> was amazing. So there's just so many elements about the world between worlds and what it gave to me as a Star Wars fan, as uh, someone who just loves the Force and the Jedi aspect of Star Wars, how I said um, the Clone Trooper story is my second favorite aspect of Star Wars. When you dive into the Force and the mysteries behind it and you open up these new possibilities with it, that's my favorite aspect of Star Wars. That's what I love most about the saga. Um, so and this episode did wonders <laughs> to uh, make me geek out about what I love so much about Star Wars in the moments where we're with Ezra in the world between worlds. So yeah, to me, that was a game changer. And um, it definitely had to be in my top three of animated Star Wars moments. And I would even probably put it in top Star Wars moments ever. Cause like I said, I think it's a game changer for what it introduced and the possibilities of the force and just the Star Wars galaxy in general. And I just loved every bit of it. Yeah. And for me, this is one of those ones that narrowly missed out on being on my list. And I, I was like, eh, that's okay. Cause I know it's going to be on Tim's list. Yeah. So we'll get to talk <laughs> about it regardless. Um, but yeah, that is just a really cool moment. And um, I probably don't love it as much as you do, but it definitely, like, I'm not one of those people that it didn't work for. Like, I think I think it walks a fine line because I'm definitely very leery about having any kind of, like, time travel or anything like that in Star Wars. And I definitely don't want Jedi running around with, like, time travel or teleportation powers or anyth anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I think to have like one particular location that's just like very steeped in a particular energy in the force. And it's like this hidden location. It's even kind of mythical, you know, there's ancient paintings and runes and stuff leading to it. Um, even finding it is, you know, kind of a mystery. And then it's this thing that Palpatine has been after for years. And I love the fact that like, they even kind of allude to that earlier in rebels. Like, I think it's like in the end of season one or early in season two. And there's that Imperial, like, minister or whatever who defects and she's like you know yeah the empire is like mining lothal for its resources to like build a tie fighter factory but like there's something else here that the emperor is after and it's like it's a very subtle reference it's easy to miss but when you see the the whole thing with the world between worlds and the temple and everything and then you go back and watch it it's like oh they were planning this from the beginning they just you know we didn't see what it was until season four and it wasn't like this long mystery that they kept teasing it's like they kind of planted that seed at the beginning and then it paid off at the end um but yeah, so I I really like the way that they that they uh, pulled it off, and I like um, again just having you know like a, its own little corner of the galaxy where we can kind of get a little weird and explore this new side of the force that we haven't really seen before. And as long as it doesn't become like a mainstream thing, as long as we don't start going and saving 
every character that's ever been killed off in Star Wars by pulling them out of the world between worlds, as long as they're like careful with how they use it, I think it can be very effective. But yeah, I love the way it was used there in that episode. And I mean, if I were to put a specific moment from that episode on my list, it would have been the same one you mentioned where um, Ezra pulls Ahsoka out of the uh, the temple on Malachor and saves her. Um, but yeah, definitely a, a cool moment and a cool whole episode and just whole new concept of the Force for sure. Um, all right, so now getting into our top two, my number two is going to be one that you already mentioned, and that is Ahsoka versus Maul on Mandalore. Um, I wasn't sure if it might have been your number one. I mean, it would probably be it, top three. But. It <laughs> almost was, Tim. It almost was. And um, well, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more comparing the two once I get to my number one, although I'm sure you know what that's going to be. But um, yeah, the, I mean, the reason that this is so high up on the list for me is not just because of the lightsaber duel. I mean, you talked about how fantastic that was with the, you know, of course, using mocap choreography from actual actors, um, but also, you know, just finally seeing this showdown between Maul and Ahsoka that we've wanted to see this whole time. And the fact that, you know, with it being the final season of Clone Wars, they really wanted to go out with a bang and they pulled out all the stops with the animation. And it really is just a fantastic duel. But even like if the duel was disappointing and lackluster i still would have put ahsoka and maul's conversation between the du uh, before the duel probably still would have been my number two um because that was what really blew me away like i would say especially with as much as they hyped it up and talking about doing the mocap and talking about you know it it blowing people away and everything i think i went into it with, with really high expectations and so i would say that the duel itself met my expectations but maybe didn't exceed them like i was expecting an awesome lightsaber duel and i got an awesome lightsaber duel but the the dialogue between the characters before the duel all starts um i was not expecting and it definitely is um you know, my favorite moment from that episode and probably the whole, well, definitely the whole Siege of Mandalore arc because it's the only one that's this high on the list. But um, yeah, again, Maul, you know, the fact that he is kind of the only one that knows what's about to go down and he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen, but like he knows Sidious has plans and everybody else is just going along thinking they're, you know, heading towards the end of the Clone Wars and Maul is the only one really that has any kind of inkling of what Sidious is is up to or is about to do. And you know, the the way that he sort of conveys that to Ahsoka and really almost convinces her to join him and you know, you talk about the stakes and I feel like the um the once the actual duel starts because then they've kind of thrown all that out the window and gone back to square one. It's just about Ahsoka's trying to capture Maul because that's what she came to do in the first place. And Maul is trying to either kill her or just escape. Like now he's in self-preservation mode because he doesn't want to be around when any of this stuff goes down. Um, so I feel like – and maybe that's that's part of it too. Like the, the stakes of the actual duel, it's really just about the two of them trying to survive and trying to defeat the other person. And also, I, I mean, not that we can do anything about this, but I do wish that we had gotten this before Rebels because knowing that they both survive into Rebels, I think the stakes would have been a lot higher if we had seen this back – you know, if, if Clone Wars had never been canceled and we had no idea what was going to happen to either one of these characters during the timeline of Episode Three. Um, but I think the stakes really where the stakes are raised is where Maul is trying to convince her to join him and go confront Sidious. 
and you know thinking about that possibility and obviously we know that's not going to happen because we've seen revenge of the sith and even if the two of them took on cities i mean he killed four jedi masters i don't think maul and ahsoka are going to be able to take him out together but um even just imagining that possibility is really cool like and and the fact that maul proposes that to her and that she's actually going to go along with it until you know she's like i will join you but you have to tell me one thing first what do you want with anakin skywalker and the fact that anakin is what this whole thing hinges on and maul tells her like he's going to turn to the dark side uh palpatine you know he's he's going to be my master's new apprentice he's the key to all of this and palpatine has you know built up these grand plans based around him and i was so certain of it that i orchestrated all this you know i was trying to bring kenobi here hoping that he would bring skywalker so i could kill skywalker and uh and you know, deny Palpatine of his his prized pupil. And Ahsoka is so sure that she knows Anakin so well that he would never do that, that that's what makes the whole thing fall apart. And um, that, you know, she's like, well, no, now I can't trust you because, like, I know Anakin wouldn't do that. So if that's your reasoning for this whole thing, then not nah, forget it. And obviously the, the tragic irony there is that Maul's right, and that's exactly what happens. Um... And I think that is sort of part of what Ahsoka has to wrestle with when she meets him later as Vader. Like, you know, she she went to bat for him. Like, she stood up for him and was willing to, to you know, go to blows with Maul over believing that, that Anakin wouldn't turn to the dark side. And so, you know, she's in such denial of, of what he's actually become. Um so yeah, that's and of course just the animation is fantastic. The just the backdrop of not again, not just the duel, but that conversation as they're standing in front of the windows in the throne room and the battles taking place outside and Rex and the clones and the Mandalorians are all going at it and that one shot when, you know, Maul tries to get her to join him and he's standing there with his hand outstretched and then like the missile comes and there's the explosion and it blows out the window and the camera's just kinda like swirling around the two of them in slow motion with the embers and the shards of glass is just I still have that as my desktop wallpaper on my computer right now. Like that's <laughs> a fantastic shot. Um, so yeah, this, I, I know you talked about this earlier, but um, yeah, it's, it's higher up on my list. This was, and this almost was my number one. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a very worthy number two and just an absolutely, again, one of my favorite moments in all of star Wars, not just the clone wars or animation. Yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> Can't, I don't think anyone can deny that. Um, so yeah, my number two. Now this one is coming from my overall favorite episode of the Clone Wars, and my favorite arc of the Clone Wars, which is the the Mortis arc in specific episode Overlords, the first one. And the moment is the ending where Anakin shows how he is the chosen one, and this moment. Wow, I've <laughs> seen it for the first time, and just every time I see it, it's just really cool to watch. I mean, we knew we were going in, going into this arc. We didn't know everything that was going to go down in this one, but I remember just the little hints and teases we got for it is that some interesting stuff with the Force is going to be shown in this arc. And I think no better example of that is in that moment where the father puts Anakin to the test to have him either save Ahsoka or Obi-Wan. But in re in reality, he just wants Obi-Wan or Anakin to show that he is the chosen one and take control of the son and the daughter, both in the light and the dark. 
And boy, does Anakin take control of them. <laughs> I mean, the way, I mean, everything about how the scene played out is just so amazing to where the sky goes dark and um, the like the temple that they're on, the floor becomes like the starry ground with these symbols on it. And then it's just, you're just taken into literally another world almost here. It's almost like he wasn't in the world between worlds, but it was like channeling a little bit of that, just the visually how it looked in certain aspects of it, like tapping into it sort of in some way. At least when I saw, when I see the world between worlds now, and then when I go back to watch that episode, I do get a little bit of that vibe from the world between worlds and just how it looked a little bit in certain moments with the stars all around him. But man, just the way Anakin just showed his power and of the force that we've never seen him do before. Obviously the son is the embodiment of the dark side, the daughter of the light side, and just the way Anakin just controls them like they were nothing. (laughs) It was just amazing to see his power on display like this. And just even the way he talked, his voice was just really deep. And just the, I just love the command and power that he shows here where he just tells them, you know, like on your knees and they just immediately go down to his knees, almost like bowing down to their master, the chosen one who brings balance to the light and the dark. It just was just so incredible to see the chosen one be on display like this, because obviously the idea of Anakin being the chosen one was introduced in episode one, but in just what way? And obviously in episode two and in the other earlier episodes of the Clone Wars and even in the micro series like we were talking about, that little prologue we got in volume two that just shows how Anakin is a great warrior and probably the best fighter that the Jedi Order does have, how he was saving the different masters who were in trouble in that little prologue we got there. So we knew he was a great warrior, but I just liked how this moment in Mortis just kind of elevated the Chosen One to be something more than just being strong in the force that just makes him a great fighter, but to show that he has control of both the light and the dark and just to see it be visualized this way in this episode was just something that is I remember will always remember just an amazing Star Wars moment to see for the central character of the entire saga and just what his destiny at this moment kind of what it was all about really um, just seeing that ability he has as the chosen one and kind of being offered that responsibility to stay there on Mortis on Mortis to control the light and the dark and. Again, it just makes you think, and just seeing that for the first time, you're thinking, man, is that really what Anakin's destiny was supposed to be as the Chosen One? And it just raised, brings up all these different fascinating questions and ideas that you can speculate about. Like, what if he stayed? Would the galaxy be in peace? And just how the ramifications that happened while they were there on Mortis because of what happens when the son kills the daughter and how the father even says, like, the the evil will spread across the galaxy kind of in a way it hasn't hasn't before. And then once we get to the end where the son gets killed by Anakin, the father dies, and then Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka just wake up almost wondering if it all really happened at all <laughs> in that instance. So Mortis just adds this entirely great, unique concept, again, with the fourth kind I was talking about with the world between worlds. And even that has a connection with Mortis to how it um, the pathway to the world between worlds opens with this mural painting of the father, the son, and the daughter. And it's just such a fascinating idea 
that Lucas came up with to expand the concept of the Force and just, again, going back to that point of expanding it and just creating these new possibilities with it that just goes far beyond what was introduced um, with the Force in the original trilogy. But um, again, just going back to that specific moment of Anakin just showing why he was the chosen one, it was just an incredible moment for the character, for me as a Star Wars fan seeing it for the first time. And just, yeah, it's just great. Something I never thought I would see um, after seeing Anakin in the movies and then just even in the first few seasons of Clone Wars. I didn't really think we'd dive in this deeply to what it means to be the Chosen One and just to see what how much power the Chosen One actually does have um, in this sequence and how it was on display with Anakin taking control of the son and the daughter there. It was just incredible to see and i just absolutely love it every time i see it it's a great moment and it looks absolutely beautiful too um, the animation is i think some of the best the clone wars has ever done in that entire episode too um it's from start to finish there's just some incredible visuals in the episode of overlords but it all just comes to a great epic conclusion in that ending to the episode so yeah that one is a great moment in Star Wars animation and just a great moment for the character of Anakin as well, too. So I just love it so much. And yeah, that's my number two pick. Um, it's going to be hard to beat, but there's only one thing that could beat it. And I think you probably know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely a great pick. And that's another one that was fighting for a spot lower on my list. And I said, you know what? I can let that one go. Cause I know Tim's going to have it. <laughs> um, I made it no secret how much I love that moment. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, if I put this on my list, it's going to be higher on Tim's anyway. So I'll let him have that one. But um, yeah, I mean, that, and it's funny because I watched that scene again earlier. I, I rewatched a lot of, you know, just some of these moments as I was deciding whether to put them on my list or not. And I was thinking through some of those same questions that you were just mentioning, like, you know, was Anakin actually, like, is, is the message of that episode, like, was Anakin actually supposed to stay on Mortis? Um, and, you know, is, you could even question, like, is Mortis actually a physical place where this stuff actually happened or was it all sort of, uh, you know, like some sort of a vision or, or something of the force, you know, that's supposed to be like a metaphorical representation of the actual events happening in the galaxy. Because if you think about it, um, you know, where you're saying that like Anakin kills the son after the son has killed the daughter, and that's kind of what happens in the movies. Like Anakin does kill Palpatine, you know, he, he uh, overthrows the Sith and destroys the dark side after the dark side has destroyed the light side. And he kind of brings balance that way rather than by keeping the two in balance the entire time. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot you can kind of take from it as far as the themes and stuff and, and a lot of questions as far as what is it all supposed to mean? How real and tangible is all of this and and you know how could things have gone differently and i like that it, it sort of doesn't answer all those questions um and it kind of leaves it up to the audience interpretation but yeah the mortis arc is definitely um you know one of one of the highlights of the clone wars for sure and this moment in particular narrowly missed being on my list too um but yeah that's definitely a great one 
But there's only one left, and neither of us have mentioned it so far. So I'm sure we both have the same number one, and that's Ahsoka versus Vader in Twilight of the Apprentice. Yes. Um, and this one, I mean, gosh, what do you say about this one? And it's funny because for me, I did almost bump up Ahsoka versus Maul to number one. Um, because, and especially, like, I will give it this, the Ahsoka versus Maul fight definitely has, like, better visuals and better lightsaber choreography um, especially, you know, f with the mocap that they did with like Ray Park and Lauren Mary Kim, but also just the fact that, you know, season seven of Clone Wars is just spectacularly gorgeous or visually spectacular. Um, but like, I mean, for, for Rebels, like Twilight of the Apprentice is definitely some of the best looking animation in that show. And just the, not just the duel, but the character interaction between Vader and Ahsoka. And again, you want to talk about stuff that we speculated about and we're waiting to see for years, beginning with the Clone Wars. And I think that's something that, you know, at that at the beginning of the Clone Wars, we maybe weren't even expecting to eventually see this, but it definitely was a question on everybody's mind. Because there were some people that thought, oh, there's no way Ahsoka's surviving to uh, episode three. Like, she has to die because she's not in the movie. But then there was that question of like, okay, but if she does survive... And she just happens to be somewhere else during episode three and her character continues on. What if we did one day get to see her fight Vader? Um, and it went from that to then, um, you know, at the end of the Clone Wars, we see her walk away from the Jedi Temple. And you're thinking, oh, OK, so if this is the end of the Clone Wars, which, you know, we knew it wasn't. But, um, it, you know, even with that that temporary ending that we got with season five, it's like, OK, her walking away from the temple gives us. And it's, you know, it gives a reason for her not to be in episode three and she could still be alive. So are we ever going to get to see her fight Vader? And then Rebels comes around and you get Ahsoka and Vader introduced. And it was just a ticking time bomb at that point. Um, and gosh, to see the the two the, the journeys of these two characters come to a head like that. Um, it's just, you know, there's so much weight behind it. And there's so much history between those two characters. And it's so... Um, I don't know, just, you know, just so, so emotional, so hard seeing Anakin and Ahsoka come, uh, you know, face to face on opposite sides, uh, you know, opposite teams, so to speak. Um, but just the dialogue there where, you know, she's like, I didn't want to believe it, but you know, I, I, I've had to finally accept that you're Anakin Skywalker. And he says, Anakin Skywalker was weak. I destroyed him. And she says that I will avenge his death. And then Vader says, revenge is not the Jedi way. And of course we get the iconic, I am no Jedi. And she ignites those white lightsabers and they go at it. Um, but then of course, and, and the, really the moment that keeps this at my number one and, uh, you know, held back the Maul and Ahsoka fight was then, of course, the moment at the end when she slashes the helmet and we see Anakin in the Vader suit and hear Matt Lanter's voice calling out to Ahsoka and uh, her saying, I'm not going to leave you, not this time. And he says, then you will die. And getting that brief glimpse of Anakin again, but then showing that he really has turned and he really is Vader and that nothing is going to bring him back from that darkness until his son comes along. Um, but man, just such... Such a fantastic scene. Again, the, just the, alone on the fact that there was so much, so many years of anticipation and so much weight behind it and everything that we had seen those two characters go through together. And then just a really cool duel, some really great character interaction and a really cool setting with the temple on Malachor, like, like I talked about earlier. Um, this was everything I could have wanted from a Star Wars animated series, from a lightsaber duel, from a character confrontation, um, from a season finale. 
um, like those two episodes were like, it was just, it's, it's an all timer. And like I've said with the past two, you know, it's not only a great animated moment. It's not only my favorite moment in star Wars rebels, but it's one of my favorite moments in star Wars ever. Yeah. I mean, what else is there left to say about <laughs> that moment that hasn't been said already? Because it's just so amazing. It's just hard not to keep going back to it as not just the best moment in Star Wars animation animated history, but as you said, just one of the great Star Wars moments ever. I mean, I put it up there. It's like the equivalent to the moment in Empire Strikes Back where Luke or Darth Vader tells Luke he's his, he's his father. That's the animated version of that, I think. But yet, I think if we were to do like a top moments of just star wars in general tv shows and live action this moment probably would be in my top five i think it's just that great and yeah like you said too it's not just a duel in fact it's it probably wouldn't even rank in like my top five just greatest duel as far as you're talking about choreography and combat that type of stuff i mean it's cool but it's not um it's not what makes it great it's Mm -hmm. just seeing these two characters and just the reactions they have to each other and just the dialogue that they have again, that history that we know about them all coming into this moment here. It's just, it's a moment like no other. And it's, it's really powerful. I mean, it's episode five years old now, I believe. I think it aired in 2016. Yeah. I I still get goosebumps every time that moment happens where you hear, Darth Vader say Ahsoka and it's Anakin or it's Matt Lanter's voice mixed in with a little of that Vader uh, voice filter in there and just that look on Ahsoka's face it's just uh, every time I see it it just I get goosebumps it's just that impactful it's incredible and even I think what speaks volumes to that moment how it's obviously great for diehard fans like us who watched the Clone Wars from the beginning and saw the character of Ahsoka grow into what she became in Rebels and knowing the downfall of Anakin. But even for his, like a casual fan, because I remember I showed these episodes to my dad not like maybe about two or three years ago, and he hasn't watched every episode of The Clone Wars. He's seen a few arcs. He knows who Ahsoka is and that she's Anakin's apprentice. But when we watched this episode, and he was seeing it for the first time, and that moment happens where she slash, Ahsoka slashes Vader's mask, you see him, you hear him say Ahsoka. And he, my dad just goes, wow. <laughs> like even for someone who's not a diehard fan like us, but knows that their history, it's, that's just how impactful and how well done it is. You just immediately feel just how powerful that moment is, whether you're a diehard or just kind of a casual fan. That's just how well executed this moment was. And like you said, how it was something that you thought potentially could happen once you realized Ahsoka was going to be in Rebels and Vader was going to be a part of season two. And then once we finally saw the premiere, we kind of knew this is where their paths were heading. And those months of watching season two, the anticipation just kept growing and growing for what a duel between Ahsoka and Vader could be. And it did not meet expectations. It surpassed them tenfold, I would say. I mean, I don't think I was even prepared just for how amazing and impactful this moment was going to be it's just it can't be any better i don't see how you can make that moment any better between anakin or darth vader and ahsoka in that moment it's just perfection (laughs) i mean that's just the way to describe it and yeah it's just there's no way anything else could be my number one pick for the best star wars animated moment it's just it doesn't get better than this one it's these two characters who kind of 
especially Ahsoka, a character who just epitomizes Star Wars animation or is kind of like the face of Star Wars animation, like the main character and just seeing the journey that she went through in Clone Wars and then in Rebels and to have it be here. And this probably her greatest appearance in this episode with her duel with Vader and knowing that there's obviously Vader stories continue, but then we see more of Ahsoka and this who would have thought that we'd see her in live action even? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, that's what great that's what's great about it too, because when we see her episode in The Mandalorian, where she's uh, telling Din Djarin that she won't train Gogu or Grogu because she knows kind of what that connection, she, uh, she won't train him because what that past can lead that can affect even the best of us. And obviously we know who she's talking about it with Anakin, but she's probably recalling that moment of her duel in the Siege of Mandalore right there. Or I mean, uh, the Trial of the Apprentice. It's because obviously that's what the first time she fully accepted that Darth Vader was Anakin. So I just like to think now when she says that to Mando in that episode, she's recalling that moment where she's staring at Vader with his slashed helmet and seeing that little glimpse of Anakin in there. It's just ah, man, it's just cool to talk about, cool to think about when you see different moments of the saga with Anakin and or with Vader and Ahsoka. It's just great on so many levels that even um talking about it seeing it for the past five years i don't think i ever get tired about (laughs) geeking out how amazing that moment is for star wars so yeah ahsoka versus vader twilight of the apprentice without question the greatest animated star wars moment ever here here um (laughs) you know it's funny because you you made a good point too about it almost feeling like you know, with them obviously being two of the main characters of the Clone Wars, and then, you know, to continue that on into Rebels, like, even though both Clone Wars and Rebels, and, you know, especially Rebels, focused on a lot of other different characters besides just Anakin and Ahsoka and had other storylines and other stuff going on, in that moment, it almost feels like both shows have just been leading to this. Like, you know, it feels like a culmination of, you know, again, just years of storytelling between the two of them. And, uh, yeah, there in that moment, in that one episode up up on top of that temple, like, you're not thinking about Ezra and Hera and, and all those guys, or even, you know, Obi-Wan or anybody else from the Clone Wars. It's like, man, just with the journey that we've seen, uh, seen Anakin and Ahsoka go on through so many years of both of these shows, it's led to this point, and it absolutely does not disappoint. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was fun. I we we did kind of have more different lists than I thought we would. Um, we had a few a few similar ones on there, and a few that were at least from the same um, episodes or story arcs. Um, but I'm glad we weren't just repeating each other and, and throwing the same stuff out there. We got to talk about a lot of uh, cool different moments from both of these shows. Um, I figured we'd have the same number one. Like, and I know Me back too, when yeah. <laughs> I, we did another episode with Paul where we all did our top five Rebels episodes and all three of us had the same number one. That was Twilight of the Apprentice. But um, yeah, aside from that, you know, sort of uh, pretty much given at number one, it was cool to see uh, us get to talk about a lot of different moment, moments on the rest of our list. So um, I don't both- know, Kyle, did you... Did you were you worried a little bit that I might have picked something from the D Squad arc as the number one greatest? <laughs> no, I'm I'm a little bit surprised that you didn't have one on your list, even in the honorable mentions. Um, you know what? I was trying to squeeze one in there, but it was like as much as I enjoy that arc, it, 
doesn't have quite a moment that could compare to the ones I mentioned on my list. <laughs> yeah, and heck, you know, as much as I'm not necessarily a fan of like the D Squad and and Colonel Gascon and everything overall, I still one of the moments I had on my initial spread of like twenty or whatever that I just kind of threw out there was uh, Gregor's last stand in um, that one episode uh, missing in action, the one where you see him yeah. as, a, as a clone commando for the first time. Um, so that's a pretty cool moment. And obviously there's, you know, tons of other ones. Um, you know, it was hard not to do like top 15 or have like five or 10 honorable mentions. Cause there's so many great moments from both of these shows and even, you know, the Clone Wars micro series, like we mentioned a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some good moments in resistance too. I'm not, you know, there really aren't, isn't anything that stands out to me as something that would compete with, with any of these ones that we mentioned here. But, um, you know, I know there's a lot of great moments in there for people that love that show too. So it's always fun to, uh, you know, just rank these and kind of hash them out and figure out where all of our, our Star Wars favorites land. For me, it's funny because you said it was still harder for you to do the uh, the movie ranking. For me, I think this was the tougher one. Yeah, and I can see that where there's just a lot more moments to choose from. But yeah, yeah just something about the movies <laughs> it was just where to place them all just really racked my brain as far as I, I just felt i really had to get it right where i had to be sure where everyone is <laughs> in the spot where i felt they should be yeah i think maybe for me because i i've kind of thought about that for years like obviously i kind of just solidified it after the rise of skywalker now that the final movie was out but i already had rankings in mind before that and so i was just kind of tweaking things i had already thought of i wasn't having to do it from scratch but with this you know coming up with and not just favorite episodes but it was like okay well are, are there any like episodes that overall aren't that great but have really great moments in them and you know having to go back and forth between clone wars and rebels there was just a lot to uh a lot to think about and revisit and try to fit into the ranking but i'm pretty happy with how it turned out and it, it's always great to uh just come on and have a love fest for both Clone Wars and Rebels. And maybe we'll have to revisit this in a few years after we've got the Bad Batch too and see if there's uh, any moments from that that uh, shake up our top 10 a bit. Oh yeah, I have a feeling that um, I might have some more entries <laughs> Yeah, of my top Star Wars animated moments after the Bad Batch is all said and done. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, before we wrap up, um, I know you put out a couple tweets asking people for, uh, some of their favorite moments as well from our listeners and stuff. So, uh, what'd we get for that? Yeah. So first up, we got Derek BB at Derek J BB on Twitter. He says, um, his top five favorite moments, they all involve Ahsoka. Number five was Ahsoka versus Maul in Clone Wars season seven. Ahsoka the White showing up in the Rebels epilogue. Ahsoka climbing down the ladder at the end of Rebels season one. Ahsoka meeting Vader. And then Ezra pulling Ahsoka out in the world between worlds. So here's hoping for Ahsoka in the Bad Batch. <laughs> and then he sends another tweet saying he forgot a couple of more that he wants to mention. Um, one was Sidious versus the Maul brothers. And then Yoda versus Sidious. And then Hassan Scarborough at Fetmatic says, The second attack on Geonosis. Maul and Savage versus Sidious. Tarples versus Grievous. Ahsoka's beheading of the Death Watch warriors. Cad Bane versus Obi-Wan and Quinlan Voss, and Obi-Wan versus Savage and Maul. And then from Eric at London's Dark, he says, The Anakin Vader fight with Ahsoka in Rebels, or, and the slash of Vader's helmet, and hearing Matt Lanter and James Earl Jones say as one, Ahsoka. Incredible saga, saga worthy fight and moment. 
So yeah, those are some of the responses we got on Twitter. And again, it's great to see some different choices on there. I like that um, Hanson has the Tarples versus Grievous one on there because mm. um, that's an episode I don't revisit too much. But when I do see it, I always enjoy that fight that Grievous had with Tarples there because it was something that I wouldn't expect to see Gungans taking on Grievous. And it wasn't a battle that was kind of played up for like was campier played it for last kind of has the Gunga battle in episode one was, but it was a genuine, you know, battle just between two generals <laughs> or, or I should say captain, captain Tarples and general Grievous. Yeah. But well, wait, is he, was, a, is he a general by that point? I thought he was, was he, did he move up in rank? Cause <laughs> I think, I think him and I think him and Jar Jar are both generals in the battle of Naboo, but I could be wrong. No, he's, he's definitely captain in episode one. He doesn't get promoted at the end, though? I, For whatever reason, I feel like I've heard someone call him General Tarples. And so maybe he is a general in Clone Wars, but yeah, I don't know. Um, well, we're just going to have to revisit that episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, that that definitely is a cool moment. Um, and like you said, not just like played for laughs or anything, but like a, a pretty serious uh, confrontation between the two of them. And then Tarples, you know, when Grievous is like, you know, and now you die, and he's like, not die, sacrifice, and then he, like, skewers him, and all the Gungans start hitting him with the things. That's pretty cool. Um, so, yeah, you're right. I'm looking on Wikipedia right now. It says, Tarples was promoted to general after the Battle of Naboo. Oh, after, okay. Yeah, so it was two generals fighting then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. Um yeah, well, thank you guys for chiming in with your picks, too. Tim, I'm sure we could stay here all night just, like, listing other moments that didn't make our list, but just cool Clone Wars or, Mo or Rebels moments uh, that we'd want to talk about. But, um, you know, for, for any of the rest of you guys that um, want to chime in and let us know your thoughts and maybe share some of your favorite moments, you can always reach out to us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. Or check out our website at starwarstsc.com um, or send us email at starwarstsc at gmail.com. Um, again, happy Star Wars Day. May the 4th be with you. Hope you guys have enjoyed the episode um, and hope you enjoyed the first episode of The Bad Batch. Uh, we'll be back with our review probably sometime the following week and we'll do a review of the first two episodes together. Um, and also, of course, be sure to check out uh, thunderquack.com for all the other awesome podcasts in the Thunderquack Podcast Network, including Rebel Cells, where I will also be on with uh, Michael Cohen and Joe Hogan, and we'll be breaking down all the episodes of The Bad Batch this season. Um, so I'm excited to jump on with those guys, too. But of course, you know, me and Tim and Paul will be doing our thing as well, and we'll probably talk about it every few episodes or so and just keep up with how things are going, um, as well as keeping up with all the news about all the other awesome uh, upcoming Star Wars projects. So... Um, that's going to do it for now. Thank you again for listening. Happy Star Wars Day. We will see you next time, and may the 4th be with you. See you next time, everybody, and insert your very own Godspeed Rebels right here. Yeah, everybody just yell it in unison as you're listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>